Hey, so this is um, a setup I'm going to do for a segment that I did on my Friday live stream. If you, if you don't know, I do a live stream on Fridays at 4 o'clock Central Standard Daylight Time. I forget what it's called. Anyway, um, watch that. Join me. It's a fun time. But I, I this last Friday, talked through an article written by uh, Reverend Dr. Warren Latham. I think he's a Reverend Doctor. Anyway, I took issue with uh, his undergirding theology around uh, church growth, and pneumatology, that's the theology of how the Holy Spirit works, and uh, I'll admit on the front end, he's smarter than me, um, and I don't have any animosity towards him. There were people, the reason I'm doing this is there were some people who got really offended that I publicly critiqued him, and I, it wasn't coming from a mean place with me. I did use the word disingenuous at one point, and a buddy of mine said, hey, that impugns his character. Um, another word is just disregard or ignores, you know, so that, that's what I would say. I don't know Mr. Latham. Dr. Latham. I, uh, I haven't spoken to him before, so I, I'm sure he's a fantastic person. I'm just seeing things different, and I, and I think we need to have this conversation. So it's with that spirit that I would submit to you. Uh, my brother and I went through his article and talked about, uh, reflected on that in light of our own ministry experience. So um, before we get into it, just the reason why this is important, our method indicates not just our theology, what we believe, but also it sets up how we're going to do things in, in the future. If we are of the mind that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is always indicated by church growth and more people coming, then what that means is we are going to continue to have a, a statistical gathering method where we look at who's got most professions of faith, faith, who's doing the most baptisms, who's got the most people coming to worship, who's seeing the most growth. And if that's the kind of system you have, then I think you're going to see the same anxiety in the GMC that you saw in the UMC of, we got to get people, we got to get people. And I think you're going to see the same fetishization of um, big corporate marketing methods and in particular around youth and young people. I, I think it will come at the expense of uh, growing deep. There's going to be a focus on growing wide, and it will come at the expense of um, a lot of rural churches for whom that's just not feasible or likely. So anyway, that's that's what's at stake here. I think if we if we buy the wrong theology at this point, then we set up the GMC for a lot of misery in the future, and that's why this conversation, in my opinion, is worth having. So um, I'll get right into it. I hope you enjoy. Here's here's the article. He, he has, I think, 12 different observations that he goes through. Um, so let's give it a proper setup. Uh, of late in North Georgia, a number of pastors have made some complaints, which include losing their home church, uh, pastors stealing sheep from congregations, others gleaning dissatisfied members, etc. I served as a pastor for many years and understand their frustration. As for no longer having a home church, that is sad. What is even sadder is the separation of one group of Methodists from another has been so bitterly opposed. Now the new group is considered the enemies of the old. And if you don't know what he's talking about, there's all kinds of signs of enmity between, well, the, the global Methodist church isn't doing much in enmity other than just taking the unhappy people who are leaving the United Methodist Church. United Methodist Church is being really nasty to the global Methodist church, refusing to acknowledge them as a legitimate denominational body, refusing to uh, cooperate with uh, appointments of clergy that want to uh, change affiliation and still serve one of their churches, 
a lot of lack of cooperation around retirement benefits, uh, especially when conferences have like health insurance benefits and stuff. They'll just completely demolish your record of serving the denomination if you leave it, which is just crummy. I served six different churches over the years. Two have stayed UMC and four have voted to disaffiliate. The two who stayed UMC are so small they did not feel they could come up with the required buyout funds. However, I have no animosity toward either of the two and would welcome the opportunity to go back and preach for either of them. But alas, I have been barred from preaching in any United Methodist Church, even though I served it for 50 years. But there is grief. So what he's, I think, focusing on there is we don't bar people from any denomination coming in and and talking at the pulpit. The only denomination that is just out of hand and appropriate, Global Methodist Church. So there's just a particular hatred there for that. Um, But, he says, there is grief and pain caused by the separation. Some churches have seen a mass exit of traditional members who felt compelled to walk away from years of investment and millions of dollars put into those churches. Others who opposed disaffiliation but lost the vote have felt compelled to find a church which aligned with their views. One pastor lost her home church. I lost a whole annual conference. After 50 years, it was my home and more than the home church of my first 20 years. But I realized the annual conference I had known was no more, and it was time to move on. So what he's saying is a version of, what we've heard a lot of people say, which is, I'm actually not leaving, they left me. So it's the, the concept is that the identity of the institution changed, and it's no longer what it was, and we didn't like it anymore, so we left. And a lot of people are in the process of trying to leave, and uh, that shouldn't be a hard concept, but it is a really hard concept for some people. Now, about sheep stealing, ethical behavior, etc., accusations, several thoughts come to mind. So you see I have enumerated them here, and he enumerates them too. First, members are not sheep. They're people people capable of making their own decisions. They're not the sheeple some desire them to be. One cannot force anyone to stay in a voluntary organization. So I've been thinking about this for some time. The, uh, The word sheep is something used by Jesus himself to describe his disciples. Sheep is something implied by the term pastor. If you don't know this, pastor in Greek is poimen, which is also the word shepherd. So the notion is that we are sheep and we follow the voice of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so the notion that at this point, someone in commenting on Christianity says, actually, we're not sheep. He clarifies, not sheeple. You know, sheeple are just people who don't question things. But the thing is, There is a degree to which we are supposed to be gracious in our relationship with our local church families and not be super critical all the time. In the church, we are sheep, and we're supposed to follow our shepherd, and ideally, pastors, poimen, shepherds, are supposed to direct people faithfully, and then the thing that's happened is the pastors turned into wolves, which is what um, Ezekiel talks about. Mm And so that's a damnable thing for those pastors, but does that just mean the sheep get devoured and those of us who are leaving are saying, nope, 
Uh, if the sheep cannot be devoured, we would rather they not be devoured. But that doesn't mean that they're not sheep and all of a sudden we're all supposed to be independent, critical thinkers. Like I, I think if, if the notion is that we do not self-identify as sheep anymore, part of a flock uh, obeying the authority of the elders in charge, then we kind of cease to be the church. Agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Uh, I don't. I don't think that those analogies of being shepherd and sheep are mutually exclusive to other analogies. So I think it's possible to hold the idea that we're supposed to be sheep following a shepherd uh, and are under a hierarchical authority, while also holding to a certain degree or type of, for lack of better words, like a democratic spirit. Like there is a an empowerment of what we think of as laity. And so we're not called to be like uh, dumb, blind followers. No. Uh, uh, and so, you know, we all, uh, as Protestants, believe in the, the priesthood of all believers. Uh, it's scriptural. And so we all have a role and a responsibility and an authority. But yeah, no, I think if we're not willing to be within a hierarchical relationship in the church where people have authority over us and we have leaders who are not just responsible for us, but like telling us what to do, Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how you make that work biblically. Yeah, we've got to have authority. We, we've got to have some kind of authority structure. All right, Latham says, Secondly, while every church I served grew in membership, good for you, buddy, some of it by transfer from other churches, I never consciously sought to steal any members. I was accused of it, but they came because they chose to, not because I went after them. So I kind of took issue with that because, like, one, do you have to mean to sheep steal to do it? But two, I mean, it's just like, okay, so in no water, I get along with some of the local pastors pretty well. And we have a deal that if someone leaves one of our churches and goes to the other, we try and facilitate reconciliation with the first church. And if they refuse to do that, then we also refuse them in our fellowship because we don't want to be trading sheep like consumers like a covenant body means something and so if somebody is leaving another body willy-nilly why would we want them in our body right and so this notion that hey you know i don't mean to sheep steal some people are dissatisfied with their church they come to me not my problem that that seems kind of do you think i intentionally misheard him or uh, do you think that's pretty much what he's saying I don't know. I mean, I think it's a short paragraph, so yeah. uh, it'd be worth more questions. But yeah, I think it's possible. I, I do think that it's a, we should um, try to direct people to be committed to the church that they've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only in unique circumstances that I wouldn't try to bring about the reconciliation mm-hmm. that you just talked about. So yeah, I, I, if, if, he, if it is as hands-off as it sounds, then that does seem problematic. Paul, obeying the elders in charge can be a dangerous move. I mean, it can be. But, I mean, that's kind of the thing is, like, if we only do what's safe, then we're not going to be able to do what Christ calls us to do. So the question is, where does Christ call us to take risks? And sometimes it goes bad. But if it goes bad, at least we aren't the ones who are wrong for trusting the system that Christ has given us. You know, here we go. Point three. Thirdly, I lost some members in every church. Some left because they relocated. Some just dropped out. And some transferred to another church in the same community. In my last pastorate, I lost members particularly to North Point and Perimeter Presbyterian churches. In every case I know of, it was because the members thought some aspects of those churches were superior to the church I was serving. 
While I did not usually agree with their perception, I understood it was their choice. The pastors of those churches did not, quote, steal my members any more than I stole members from them. So that that point is built on the point before, which is you can't steal people's members. People go where they go. The wind blows where it will. Um, we can't control it. Our job is just to accept it. And I'm I'm very unsympathetic with this point. Because it does seem to me that particularly in America, we've had this competition between churches that gradually have lowered the bar of discipleship uh, year after year, generation after generation. And that's what's to blame for the low quality discipleship that we find in the American church today. And we can shrug at it and just say, hey, man, that's the name of the game. It wasn't the name of the game until very recently, whenever American consumerism took over the church and if we continue to let it go this direction, there are just not going to be any churches left. I mean, there are not going to be any disciples left. Um, so I just think this ambivalence about, you know, they'll go to this church, they'll go to that church. It's all the same. Well, no, no, no. They're going to higher quality, higher demand churches to lower quality, lower demand churches. And then most, I mean, now we just see them falling out because they've already been told it's not essential. You can do it how you want. I go, well, if it's not essential, I can do it how I can just leave and do it how I want. And mm-hmm. so you find all these people that are just making bad decisions. They're going the wrong direction. And then according to Latham, as I read them, we're just supposed to let them go, whether they're going to another church that has a lower standard or they're just staying home. Hey, man, this is America. Do what you want. I'm your pastor. We've been walking in covenant relationship. But whatever, you know, they're not stealing you from me. This is just how it, how it all comes out. I got 20 thoughts. I don't know if any of them are worth it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just go on, and if they are worth it, we'll, uh, you'll remember to come back. Fourth, even given the above, I never had a net loss in membership. Okay. I saw it as my responsibility to reach others with the gospel and help them come to Christ and join the church. Hence, in my last church, 60% of our new members joined by profession of faith. I noted that most, if not all of those complaining were complaining about losing members they had inherited in the appointment, not those that they had evangelized. In fact, in many of the cases I know of, they had almost no record of evangelism and often have pastoral oversight of congregations which consistently decline under their leadership. So he's saying the people that are complaining about sheep stealing from UMC to GMC, the people complaining are people losing members to GMC churches. And he's saying, hey man, you're not losing people that you brought to Christ. You're losing people you just inherited because of the itinerant system. You came into this church. You were the shepherd of them. They don't like you. They don't want to be with you no more. So you're not not complaining about people that, that you've built up. You're just, you know, you inherited this thing and you're losing your inheritance now. Yeah, can can you bring me up to speed? Who wrote this? And in, in... Warren Latham. Uh-huh. I don't. He, I don't know he, he was in North Georgia. He was ordained. UMC. Yeah. Well, or GMC. I don't know. He's definitely conservative. He okay. was republished by IRD. Okay, so that makes a little, so as a as a conservative, if not GMC, he's he's kind of uh, answering objections about sheep stealing. Yeah. Okay, and he's saying it shouldn't be such a big deal. You didn't even really work to get these people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay, well, he keeps building, so you can come back. Fifth, I inherited the majority of members in all but one of those churches. 
I was not responsible for them being there, but I was responsible for keeping them. They all had options of leaving to go to a better place. Some chose to do that, just as indicated above, but never more than I received into membership through our evangelism. Some pastors act like members are their personal property. The season of disaffiliation has shown them that they do not own their members. So we would agree members are not personal property. Mm -hmm. Are they the property of the corporate church, though? Uh, property is such a foreign concept in, in this I mean, the, the property of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, we, were yeah bought. we were bought at a price. Uh -huh. Yeah, We are slaves of Christ. Um, so uh, is the church the an church, extension? The, the church is the bride of Christ or the body of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, the family of God. Are we all bought into a local congregation? And when we, when we make membership vows... Mm -hmm. And the congregation makes vows back to us. Is that not a I own you and you own me transaction? It's not a permanent transaction. It's not a marital till death do us part. But it is a I'm going to belong to you and you're going to belong to me. That's what membership is, right? It's so funny. The word belong it has connotations of ownership. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think of it in ownership terms. Maybe I'm wrong to not think of it in ownership terms. Um, yeah, if you don't think of it in some kind of ownership or belonging terms, then you can just come and go as you please, which is kind of the, the mindset that he's got. People stay because they're happy. People come because they're happy. If they're not happy, they can leave. What's the big deal? If you're doing your job, if you're doing evangelism, more people will come than will leave. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the my brain's not working very often. So I, I would be more, if, if it's a choice between just those two options, then yeah. I would be more prone to go to the, to the ownership model. It's not necessarily that I'm bucking being owned, but uh, I guess it, 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 to me, a covenantal relationship in a, in a sense, like implies uh, a different kind of relationship from like a master slave relationship. I mean, like, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. So I was about to go nerd out. Yeah. We don't need that. No, no, no. I, I would say it's like, it's a light, uh, well, it's a, a metaphor is not helpful. This is just a special covenant relationship. It's not till death do you part, but it's also not I come and go as I please. Yeah, something sure, sure. in between that. And then, so the reason I think, you know, a lot of people might be getting nervous. He doesn't think we should leave our churches. I absolutely think if you belong to the church of Jesus Christ and you have made members uh, membership vows to these people, then you should not leave them. The reason I think it's okay to leave a United Methodist Church is because I don't think it's a church. So, and that's what Latham is going to come back to as well. He's going to say, oh, we're just, you know, fellow traveler. Well, I don't want to put it in my words because I'm not sympathetic to it. I, I think if you belong to a true church, then you have to stay planted where, you know, grow where you're planted, make it better where you are. But if what you're a part of forsakes Christ and his gospel, then it has renounced its claim on you and you can go where you want. You know, so there's, it's not a, they don't get to just do whatever you want and you blindly support. Rather, they have a contractual obligation to fulfill that makes them worthy of you fulfilling your end of the deal. Also different from marital covenant in that sense. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's apply that as we go on through this article a little bit more. Sixth, none of these lamenting the loss of membership had, to my knowledge, a record of significant growth in any church they served. By significant group, I mean 
minimum of 5% a year increase in membership and average worship attendance. Actually, vital, effective churches consistently grow by 10% a year. We're yeah. losers. We're losers. Yeah. Has that been happening in the churches to which these pastors were assigned? Not to my knowledge. So this article, you know, granted, articles are brief. I'm sure he's much more nuanced than this. But in three of the first points, my churches grew. Every church I was in grew. It's church growth, evangelism. Actually, vital churches grow by 10% a year. If yours isn't growing, you might be a problem pastor. Mm-hmm. Do you take that same... Is, is that a... Am I being overly defensive? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I go to a similar defensive place as a pastor. Yeah, and I think that you and I both, as far as I know you, have definitely not accepted this worldview and way of looking at the church. I don't measure growth by percentage. Um, I do think that numbers are indicative of realities, but I don't, I don't like that. I don't like anything you just said. Um, <laughs> I mean, sometimes churches shrink because they're doing a bad job and they're being faithless. Other times they shrink because they're in an, a hostile area. I, I inherited a church that was shrinking because two members were feuding with each other and it was just ruining it for everybody. Um, there are a lot of different things that can happen. I think you and I are both proclaiming Christ and Him crucified. But are you seeing 10% growth a year? No, golly, no. No, I haven't been. It's been a, a steady decline. But, and, and again, you know, like uh, if you just take the last year, a large part of that decline was a disaffiliation and, and some members who left as a result. Um, and then you add on the normal, the deaths that happened and, and things like that. Uh, in my mind, that those people that we lost, I love dearly, mm-hmm. uh, personally. Yeah. But they left because, um, as, as, so, as far as I understand their position, they were not committed to the full biblical witness. Mm-hmm. And until they are, uh, that's a problem for them and for the church. Mm-hmm. It gets at the integrity of the church. And I think the net result for our church is actually growth. Numerically, Yeah, addition by, subscri- addition by subtraction is yeah, the yeah. same. Yeah, we are, we are the, the quality of our bond as mm-hmm. a church, the integrity of our union mm-hmm. is deeper and richer because we are, we're, we're, we're bound together by common faith. So what, I, what I've said a couple of times... I'm very concerned about the global Methodist church because I see this mentality everywhere, which I would consider church growth worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I, I mean, I readily acknowledge that in many times where the Holy Spirit is, you will sometimes see growth. That does happen. But just because there's not growth does not mean leadership is ineffective or the yeah, Holy Spirit's growth. not there. It's more nuanced than that. And if, you're, if your mentality is just, if the Holy Spirit's there, it will grow you're going to end up with a bunch of mega churches that are a mile wide and an inch deep, and it's just not the way the church is supposed to be. Um, I wonder how many people I've offended. Let's check the comments, and then we'll pick back up. Um, all right. Duncan says we're conflating, or at least I am conflating, different dynamics. James uh, cited. John 10, 27 through 28. Would you lift that up on your phone? John 10, what? 27 through 28. Steve says, I heard today about people who left certain churches to follow this person or pastor down the road. Very sad. You, it happens all the time. Um, Stan says, suggest you come walk in Georgia shoes. 
I don't understand that. Latham is GMC now, Duncan says, so I'm not surprised at that. Methodist Bill says, I welcomed people from a neighboring church of a different denomination whose pastor hijacked the church with an LBGTQ agenda. She moved in leadership who agreed with her and the church blew up. So all I would say is like she ended the church. She killed the church. What was left was not a church. So I don't think you sinned against them by inviting them. What's the scripture? If it was 27 through 30? 28. 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know I them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Okay. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Does that serve to correct me or buttress me? Yeah. Well, okay. If they leave, then they were never Christ to begin with. That that could be one interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Um Except if they're going to another true church, that gets complicated. So that's that's why the Protestant Reformation was a mistake. I'm just messing with. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Eileen uh, says pastors do not own church members. We're owned and paid for by our Lord Jesus. Yes. Yeah. We we affirm that. Should you try sheep stealing? Remember, you might be getting the goats as well. Yeah, that's true, Paul. Yeah. The problem in America is we don't know the difference anymore. Eileen. Amen. Duncan says the largest influence of growth and shrinking of individual churches is demographic population shifts. So that's true. There are individual churches that buck denominational trends and grow in shrinking areas. And those are the ones we need to be looking at. And I've never seen a statistical analysis that isolates churches like that. I would be very interested in that. John Saylor says growth or decline should could be due to a lot of factors, including the local economy and pop. Yes, Jeffrey Dollar says, hey, when a spiritually minded pastor comes preaching the word and repentance to carnally minded congregation, there will be a drop in membership before there is growth. Jeff Dollar, uh, yeah, well, yes, definitely a drop. I'm not sure there's always growth. I feel like I'm living in a spiritual wasteland right now where a lot of people just do not want to hear about sin their sin nature, their need for salvation. And either you can say, well, I just must not be saying it right, you know, Mm -hmm. or I I think our society has grown increasingly hostile to the bad news that necessitates the good news. Um, Paul says numbers can be indicative of that bums in the seats policies, British expression for just concentrating on numbers rather than truth. Yeah, we, we talk about butts and pews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be an, an American equivalent. Uh, Gabe says membership is not taken seriously anymore. In contrast to early Methodism, this is why sheep stealing <laughs> is an issue. Hey, a hundred percent, Gabe. Yeah, and Gabe, um, if y'all haven't seen it, I put out a video this morning on the transitional book of doctrines and discipline section dealing with membership, and I talk about the theology around that. So check that out. Paul from Texas says there is a mega church down the street from me. Pastor always talks about money. I looked him up, and he was sued for taking his church's donations to build this church. <laughs> uh, living in a spiritual wasteland is a great use. Yeah, once I just go full uh, uh, noir, yeah, that'll be my username. Okay, we're all caught up on comments, so let's get back into the article. I think we're on seven. Seventh, I noticed some churches which stayed in the denomination have not seen a major exit of members, even if a new church plant is birthed in their community. Why is that? It is at least because they have effective pastors, but it may also be because of the way they dealt with disaffiliation. 
They did not create enemies among their members by heavy-handed controlling manipulative actions that maintain their integrity in the process. I think of churches like Roswell and Peachtree Road. They will not suffer significant losses over the short term due to another church in their community. They are led by effective pastors. A better thing, quote, has not appeared in their uh, blah, 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 parish. Okay, I don't really find anything to take issue with in that one. Yeah, I've got overall thoughts where I think that fits into his larger argument that I'm, I'm still not agreeing with him with. But you're, you're percolating on a master stroke. Eighth, in spite of protestations declaring nothing has changed in the UMC, this is something we've heard everywhere, so many do not agree with that assessment. The most often heard phrase among them has been, quote, I did not leave the church, it left me. While one may argue that it is not true, it does not change the perception of the truth. Thousands have grieved the loss of their church to a theology foreign to their understanding of the gospel. I don't find anything to argue with there. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I think I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, he's he's not. He's saying it's not even important if it's true. If people think it's true, then you have to deal with it, and the way you deal with it matters. Mm-hmm. Ninth, it would be far more beneficial to these pastors' churches if they would simply graciously release those members who are leaving and focus on reaching new people with the gospel. I know a few places this is happening, and very few are exiting those churches. So he's saying, rather than take an issue with people leaving their covenant communities and forsaking their vows to their friends and just joining, he said, forget about them. Just make some new ones. Mm-hmm. You know, be like Job. Forget your first kids. Accept the new batch from God. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah. that a good joke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for being crass, guys. It's been a long day. A good day, but mm-hmm. a long day. I shouldn't joke about Job's kids. That's a, that's a dark thing. Uh, but I mean, also, I mean, the, the message in that is like, dude, I've been so damaged in ministry by people who left for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't have it in me just being like, oh, no big deal. I'm going to get some more. You know, that, yeah. that just seems so dispassionate. Yeah, I wonder if you can only have this mentality if you don't know everybody in your church. Oh, sure. I mean, like, if I'm a pastor of a, of a church where I'm seeing over 100 people every week and I can't really afford to deeply know them yeah. and share life with them, then yeah, they're gone. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, get some more. But I, 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 I've come to know and deeply care about everybody in my church. And yeah. so when anybody leaves, it hurts me and yeah. others. Yeah, and so I'm not going to treat that flippantly. It's very personal. Yeah, doesn't mean they're right, but it. it I mean, it it's is supposed personal. to, and it's supposed to be personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To not take offense and be hurt by someone leaving your family. Yeah, what does that say? About Don't your be family? hurt when your wife leaves you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another lady out there for you. Yeah, or even just. I'm being facetious a little bit, but I mean, like, so remember while I'm saying this, I think I I, I think whenever. I think whenever a church gives up their heritage in the Lord, they have ceased to be a church. But even then, it's not like this dispassionate thing. It's still very disappointing. It's like if your wife cheats on you with another man, you know, like 
it's it's idolatry. It's rank idolatry. But that doesn't you that doesn't mean you hold on to an idolater covenant partner. That means you sadly leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Latham, the thing I'm pushing back on here is Latham just doesn't seem to be understand the heartache at all. And so I would agree with him that it's wrong for these clergy in stay UMC congregations to be nasty and petty and controlling. I agree with that. I just disagree with the way he gets there. Yeah. And and I don't mean to imply that, you know, quite possibly he served a smaller church. You know, I, I don't know. And maybe he would talk about her. I, I just, I'm not seeing uh, the kind of attachment that I, I feel with my congregations. Mm-hmm. And I think they feel among themselves uh, in how he's wording this. So He's also the pastoral generation that taught you shouldn't be personally involved with your congregation, right? Mm-hmm. You have a professional kind of clinical relationship with your parishioners. Yeah. I'm not there. Point 10. Um, And finally, there is a lot of hurt on both sides of this issue. Would that we could simply extend the right hand of fellowship to each other and bless each other on their journey of faith. Four billion people in this world have never heard the gospel. Well over 160 million people in the U.S. never go to church. There is plenty of work to do for all of us. Let us simply get on with reaching the lost, with the gospel, making disciples of Jesus. People will choose when given options. And where in this country are there not other options? The option before all of us is to choose, you guessed it, love. (laughs) Particularly for those outside the kingdom. So, uh, and I've already kind of articulated my issue here, I do not think that the project of the United Methodist Church is the same as the Church of Jesus Christ. Even the Global Methodist Church, I think we're at cross purposes. I think we have different gospels. So this last, this point 10 seems the most disingenuous to me of all. So I don't know. I suspect he actually believes this. But this really is what concerns me about a lot of people in the Global Methodist Church is if they think the United Methodist Church is proclaiming the gospel and is still a church of Jesus Christ and they still want to leave it. That bothers me. Yeah, and I, I wasn't here for the section on which you gave your, your reasons for not understanding the UMC as a true church. Um, well, I think, I think a sexual ethic is dogma, non-optional part of—once uh, you leave a Christian sexual ethic behind, I think you fail to uh, cease to be Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think I would agree with you. I—, I Yeah. I'd, one one separate thought uh, that I've I've been thinking is uh, this. This strikes me as very much like a, a free market approach to church. You know, just kind of like they're going to shop where they're going to shop, and that's good for everybody. Right. You know, competition's good. Um, let them go where they want. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think the church operates. Hey it. man, sheep's going to graze where sheep's going to graze. Let them graze. Um, I surround myself with people who actually think I'm funny. I feel who, sorry for me. I'm sorry, dude. Or who give them pity laughs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I don't think the church is a free market economy. Um, you know, I think, I think where some people, it sounds like maybe there was one comment that was, was indicating the danger of focusing on obedience or, or stay to hierarchy or staying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do live in a generation where there are many high-profile moral failures that Absolutely. include people abusing yeah. power um, and 
a, a deep concern for that. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm talking, I, I don't think either of us really, I think we, we are pushing back against what we perceive as an overall cultural trend to be too lax about our relationships and covenants. And if we're going to err on any side, it's going to be erring on sacrificing to keep the covenant, going through pain to keep the covenant. Uh, I still think both of us have a point at which we would say, okay, now, now the covenant in, in certain situations can be broken. And so there, there are situations in which a person, I think, can legitimately leave a church, either because they're not a true church of Jesus Christ yeah. or because some other true, truly abusive situation is occurring. Uh, but that's, it, in, in, in my mind, I think a rather rare occasion that those things are, are happening and that really it's something that we should come to as, as a last resort, whereas the, the impression I get from an article like this is a very kind of freewheeling kind of final. If, if I see that this church has a better ministry in this respect, I'll go there. Yeah. Um, or I've, I mean, I hear stories. I, I was talking to a pastor recently who he and his wife have really struggled with how many people have left their church. And someone came to him at some point and said, hey, uh, I feel God really calling me to participate in this ministry and go start this new church, which sounds great. Mm -hmm. But she said, I need your blessing. He said, I can't bless that. Mm -hmm. You're part of our church family. Yeah, We need you. You have gifts for mm -hmm. our church that once you're gone, our church will be severely you know, yeah. harmed by your leaving. Um, you know, I can't bless that. Yeah. And that, that was where it ended. Uh, she, that person left anyways. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, like, it sounds really sexy to go and start a church plant yeah. uh, or to go and do a new thing that's really spirit-filled. But if what that requires is damaging a bunch of relationships on your way out and impoverishing the church that you've been committed to mm -hmm. for what's always sexy on the front end and never enjoyable on the back end, mm -hmm. like, that's not, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't see a true move of the Spirit in that. I see, like, a selfish desire for being a part of something new and fun, but not the hard, long slog of bearing with each other in love. Yeah, it's always easier to start something new than be in faithful, long-term covenant, uh, build a, a edifying relationship. And that's where you find, most churches I see today are stuck at like first base, mm -hmm. where they're just doing that entry-level stuff over and over. They're not getting to the meat of class meetings, uh, holy conferencing, uh, actually being sanctified, um, putting others' needs before their own felt wants. That's the work of the church that very few churches are doing because they're perpetually worried about this sheep-stealing game of, oh man, if we trade too many away and we don't get enough in, you know, we're one of these loser churches. And you and I have both had to come to terms with being loser churches by that standard. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, well, we should either just uh, pack up pack up, and get, let some other inspired person, or we have to acknowledge that our theology of growth, um, ecclesiology, pneumatology, is just wrong. It has been wrong, and we're going to be a part of a movement that is more concerned with faithfulness than growth. Mm -hmm. Another thing I've been thinking, I know we're over time, but... Uh, oh, I don't care. This is my show. Yeah. You go on. Uh I I heard a respected uh, leader. I don't. Th I think he. I think it was Scott Kisker who said that he thought that the move in the GMC to move away from the trust clause was a mistake. I hope he'd be fine with me saying this, but it was in a class, and 
You said it pretty forthrightly. I respect him. Say it again. Kisker said what? That that leaving the trust clause behind was was a problem. It was oh. a mistake in the GMC. That it somebody's got to say that. that somebody's was, yeah. Well, that it was a move toward congregationalism. Oh, it is. And I think it is. And yeah. I think, but but all it is is a is a is an acknowledgement of what actually already was. Like the the UMC and the GMC are culturally overwhelmingly congregational. Yeah. Like the average person in the pew thinks congregationally and not denominationally at all. And so on the one hand, it's just letting the, the polity reflect the cultural reality that already was. But also, I've kind of tried to chew on that because I think I'm, I'm actually, in that case, a big fan of like, no, this is, a, this is an association, this is a covenant, a voluntary covenant. Yeah. And, and rather than um, having this like dynamite, uh, the stick, to force people to be in covenant relationship with each other mm-hmm. uh, as a denomination... Uh, we're going to be a people who just are, are going to facilitate a culture and conversation that says this is a value to us, and so we're going to continually choose to to be in this as opposed to feeling forced uh, to give into connectional funding because otherwise my property's at stake. So I'm, I'm just putting up a, a There parallel. has to be some middle place between absolutely free, I don't do anything I don't want to do, and I'm a slave, all I do is stuff I don't want to do. Right. So like a, I think a pastor's job is to say, hey, I know you don't want to do this, do it. Right. And then on the other side, aren't you glad you did that? Look right. at all that you did and it's a part of and then that builds this new identity in Christ. But if it's just do it, do it, do it and you don't feel good about you know, like I didn't feel good about giving money to the UMC anymore because the things they did with it <laughs> worked against me, you know. Right. But in a in a good church, you know, people don't want to tithe, but you say, Hey, tithe and then hey, look at what Mm-hmm. was made possible because you did this. Right. But if we can't put pressure on people to do anything they don't want to do, uh, yeah. we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a pressure, uh, an inbuilt pressure to relationship that is used in healthy ways or in unhealthy ways. But to not use any pressure is also unhealthy. So, yeah. um, so you know, I think I like it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer does a really good job, I've always loved this, of, of being clear that Jesus is not only our, our mediator between me individually and, and, and God, uh, but that Jesus is the mediator between each of us. And so we can only relate to each other in ways that reflect the reality that Jesus mediates between us. Kind of this Romans. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so there is such a thing when a, a relationship becomes like truly abusive is when I, I sideline Jesus, when I relate to you so directly as to not acknowledge our Lord between us, oh. and, and in, in an F, like that, that in a sense, I I can risk up risk lording my authority over you if I do not acknowledge Jesus in that mediatorial role. Nevertheless, I mean, if you read Bonhoeffer and in, in, in Life Together, I mean, he, he there's a lot of pressure there to 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 be in the covenant relationship. Yeah, and so that that doesn't mean you you lay off totally. A loving relationship includes pursuing each other in love. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I see someone distancing themselves from the church, um, I do feel like I need to go and try and chase them down a little bit. But I'm also not going to like Woo-dee. try to consume. Well, I'm not going to consume them. I'm not going yeah. to like okay. beat it dead. I'm just going to pursue them as much as I can. But after a point, I just need to give it up and say, all right, you know, if that's okay. where you're at, okay. 